Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the 48 Minutes Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Mackey, joined along with Mr. Joshua Hayes. How's it going, Josh? Doing well, man. Uh, Ready to get into this uh, Celtic topic already. Um, Can't wait. (laughs) Can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. (laughs) We're also joined by Ben Brown. How's it going, Ben? Man, it's great, man. Uh, NBA playoffs, bro. Like, (laughs) This might be the like the craziest. Just, I mean, we got an eight seed that's running wild. The Joker's telling all y'all, "Oh, screw your MVP votes. I'm the real MVP." Like, like just playing out of his mind. Jamal Murray, y'all must have forgot. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, it's it's dope. It has been probably one of the most interesting playoffs that I can remember. And when I say interesting, I mean just very, very interesting. This is like one of those like really weird years in the NCAA tournament where there's just a bunch of bracket busters that have just destroyed everyone's brackets. Um, I saw today there was something that came across my Twitter feed that a guy put a uh, a $50 bet on the Heat meeting the Nuggets in the finals on, I think it was April 11th. And... Um, his his payout for this bet right now is like twelve thousand five hundred, if they both make it. Just Jeez, absolutely geez. wild, yeah, yeah. So, um, so uh, NBA playoffs obviously going crazy right now. Uh, like we just said, uh, Celtics uh, are now down three nothing. So we'll just get into that after last night's debacle, which uh, I'm going to be honest with you was probably one of the most just crazy games for bench players in NBA history, NBA playoff <laughs> history. Duncan Robinson could not miss at all. I mean, it was just it was just absolute chaos and the Celtics laid one of the the fattest eggs I've ever seen them them lay and I and I picked them to win and not because I'm a Celtics guy by any stretch, mm-hmm. but I just thought that Jason Tatum after the last series, I thought that he was really going to take off because game seven against Philly, I was like, okay, he means business now. Here we are. And the Miami Heat have completely exposed this team as frauds. But also, let's give the Heat some credit. This has been, I, I feel like everybody today is talking about, you know, how the Celtics let this happen and everything. Let's give the Heat some credit. Yeah. Um, Josh, how are we feeling about the Heat right now going into a possible NBA Finals? Man, I'm 
so the um, if the Heat make the finals, they'll be what the the second eight seed to ever make the finals. The first mm-hmm. was the Knicks back yeah. in '99 when there yep. was a strike season. So I don't know if you put an asterisk by that or not. Um, but the crazier part about this to me is is that they were in the play-in game. So they were technically the seventh seed. They were in a play-in game. They lost, mm-hmm. right? So then had to play another game to get in, and they ended up winning that game after they were losing in the fourth quarter um, against our beloved Bulls. Uh, and <laughs> they get in, and then they all of a sudden, like, legitly look like the best team in the East. Like, they don't even almost look like every series they have looked like the dominant team. And it starts with Jimmy Buckets, man. Like the guy, mm-hmm. uh, he's like two different people. He's like Jimmy in the regular season. And then he playoff Jimmy. We were talking about this the other day, man. I kind of feel like they were playing possum almost like they were like, yeah, we don't really care where we get in. Cause like, we're not scared of the bucks. We're not scared of the Celtics. We ain't scared of Philly. Like, we were the one seed last year. Like, we don't really care where we're at. Like, once we get in, like, watch us go to work. And it's been nothing but work since then. And not only has it been Jimmy, especially this series, like, everybody's stepping up. Like you said, Duncan Robinson, Vincent, Struss. Like, I mean, they had, like, four four or five guys that had 10 points, like, before the half yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like, it was insane. Like, everybody and, – and the one thing they kept saying about him is that you know, the first game, they hit tons of threes, and they came back in that game and won. They were like, oh, they can't keep this shooting up. They did the same thing last night. Yeah. They were over 50% from the floor, and they were over 50% from three. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. Um, and we've talked about this before, uh, but I want to give Coach Spolstra some love. I mean, <laughs> I mean, year in and year out, I mean, this, this guy takes teams that are, you know – I mean, nobody was looking at that Heat team as far as making a run after what Josh just described. You know, they had to fight to even get into the playoffs. And nobody thought that they would make the run that they might made. So I want to give him a ton of credit. Um, second guy is Jimmy Butler. So uh, I, there's something to be said about the way a team is led when they take on their leader's identity. And I feel like that's what the Heat have done. Um, I, I feel like he tried to do this in Philadelphia, didn't work. They traded him away. He tried to do it in Minnesota. Those guys were too soft, so he had to leave there. And he finally found a young group of guys that believed in what he was saying, which is play tough defense, hit shots, trust me in the fourth quarter, and you're going to win games. Now those guys are playing with so much confidence. I mean – when would you have thought Max Struess was going to be somebody that we're like, oh, man, like like this guy or Gabe Vincent, like Gabe Vincent, like you never would have thought in a million years that a Gabe Vincent would lead you in a playoff game and score. Like, think about that. Like, well, the, all these guys have started to step up, hit shots, make plays, play with swagger. And it all starts with Jimmy Butler and his will to just win and compete. And all those guys are feeding off of it. And now they all are playing that way. When you have a a leader like Jimmy Butler, um, 
and you buy in, you know, and, mm-hmm. and like you said, Ben, like him going up to Minnesota, it didn't work. None of those young guys responded to what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, him going down there to Pat Riley and coach Spo and, you know, keeping all the other players accountable in this next man up, you know, culture. I mean, it usually doesn't work this well. It usually no. does not work this well. And there were so many undrafted guys playing last night. And I mean, we were in garbage time before the fourth quarter even started on mm-hmm. this one. And I mean, you look at, you look at the stats last night and they are, I, I will go ahead and say this. So like Gabe Vincent last night was incredible. He was the player of the game, but yeah, you know, he scored 29 points. And a lot of that, a lot of that was in garbage time. Same thing with, with Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson was just, he, I think he made like three threes in a row. And I was like, I don't think he's ever going to miss again. And this mm. was a guy that I don't know, six months ago we were saying was washed that that he had a bad contract all this stuff tyler hero now is not playing at all and you know i don't know if that has anything to do with it i don't know if if i i would hope that if he was on this team he would just be helping bury these teams even further Mm -hmm. um with what he does because he's an outstanding player as well um but jimmy jimmy you know he had a good game last night but it wasn't anything crazy 16 points eight rebounds six assists it's a good game yeah, but nothing, just nothing to, crazy, you know, and, and I'm going to say this, he needed a game like this where he could take a back seat. Mm-hmm. If they do make it to the NBA finals, he's going to need a breather. He looked absolutely exhausted two games ago. He was just sitting there huffing and puffing on the court, just doing everything to keep his team, you know, engaged. And, and he did, but I mean, it got to the point where it was, you know, third quarter, second or third quarter, you know, <laughs> he's, he's mocking, Al Horford out there. <laughs> I mean, really getting into into the you know the Celtics skin, and I don't know who to blame here with the Celtics. I don't know if we're we're blaming Joe Malusa, uh, Mazula, or are we blaming Tatum? Are we blaming Brown? Like, are these the guys that are going to get them to the promised land, or do they need a huge shakeup right now? And it's just, are we just saying it's the coach? Remember, um, remember, ahead, um, I was gonna say, remember, we were talking through text, and I said to you guys, I don't know if Boston's just good because they have a great roster and you can plug and play a coach and anybody could fit because they were still winning. But I think what we're seeing now is, is like when the adjustments and stuff need to be made, um, Joe's Joe might be a little bit that maybe the, the lights might be too big for him. Um, when it comes to, you know, Spolster's making these adjustments on him and he doesn't know what to do back. And and maybe they are missing the guy that took him to the finals last year. Um, but, you know, when you talk about, um, like, the Heat, for instance, like you had said last night, um, Vincent was the, was the player of the game. The game before that, Caleb Martin had 25 points. Yeah. Um, and he and was the one that helped well. out. And and then in game in game one they had six guys score fifteen points or more, um, and that Impressive. just goes to show you that just goes to show you that when a team is playing really good and you're moving the ball around and the open guy is hitting shots, like it's hard to defend that right because you don't have to focus on one specific person. Right now with Boston, the Heat really just focus on Tatum and Brown, and they're like, hey, if we stop you two, like that's ball game. 
and neither one of them are showing up. So it seems to be working. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I agree. Um, I mean, of course, some of the blame falls on uh, Missoula as far as coaching wise. I, I do think that um, it's tough when you when you uh, inherit a team um, and you get them this far and, and, you know, your adjustments that were, were working before aren't working. Um, but you also, I mean, you got to blame a little bit of the stars, right? Like Jalen Brown hasn't been great. Tatum has not been good at all. So when your two best players aren't playing up to the level that you need them to play, like that, that, that falls on them. That coaching can't make a guy play better. Um, and, and it's clearly like if they were playing like they were playing before, this would be a better series. But they are not, Tatum and Brown are not playing well at all. And then on top of that, like your your other guys that you rely on, like your Marcus Smarts, um, you know, your Horfords, those guys are not – I mean, they're not contributing the way that you they usually contribute. It's just a bad – it's just been a bad series all the way around for the for the for their core guys. So, I, you know, I, I hate to see it because they are so young. But, I, I mean, I don't know. What do you do with a team that gets – always gets to – um, you know, to the to the pinnacle and then fall short. You know, most of the time it falls on the coach, but you've already changed the coach. So now you gotta start looking at roster, right? I mean, you gotta you gotta make some adjustments to that roster. I mean, you know Tatum and Brown are are pretty much untouchable. So then you gotta make adjustments somewhere else. So I think, you know, once I think once the Heat close it out, the Boston Celtics got a lot of big decisions to make. Well, the crazy thing, Ben, is like and people are going to look at the stats and be like, well, Jason Tatum's not playing that bad. 26 and 10 on 46% shooting. Like, that's mm-hmm. not horrible, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't sound that right. bad. But right. the problem is, the problem is, is all that's coming before the fourth quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, like, he's completely just shutting down. Mm-hmm. Like, he hasn't made a field goal in the fourth quarter yet. Yeah, which is crazy. So... So yeah, and he, I mean he's also shooting ninety six percent from the free throw line. So it's not like it's not like he's not out there doing stuff. But then you look at J- Jalen Brown, and Jalen Brown's averaging sixteen and six on thirty seven percent shooting, ten percent from three point range, and fifty percent from the free throw line. Oh. Like Ooh, wow. there's where there's where the struggle is. Your number two guy's not stepping up at all. Ouch. Well, and like you said, Ben, this is going to be a team that's going to have some major decisions to make. Um, this next offseason. So because of their two stars making all NBA this year, they both qualify for some astronomical extensions. Yes, stupid, Um, stupid money. Stupid money. So Jason Tatum right now, um, since he made all NBA, he qualifies for a 298 million super max contract. Okay. A lot of money, a lot of money. And I'm willing to bet he's going to get that. I'm willing to bet that's going to happen. Um, And we're looking at, uh, we're looking at Browns. He's looking at a, at a, a a potential super max as well. Also 290. So, so these guys, so here's the thing. So we're looking at that and season by season, if you have Brown and you have Tatum, you have locked in two players 
for a hundred million in one season. So the salary yep. cap's going up to 134 next season. Mm-hmm. Um, that does not give you a whole lot to work with at that point. Nope. You have to hope to God that you're getting some kind of production out of an Alf Horford or a Kevin Love type person who's a little bit mm-hmm. washed, but can still, you know, like we're talking like the Jeff Greens of the world. Mm-hmm. But how far can they bring you? And this team already has those kind of players. Yep. Uh, Your Marcus Smart, Smart, that's the same. That's the same guys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, de- you know, defensive player of the year. You know, we have him uh, on that team, and Malcolm you Brogdon. Got Brogdon. You got Brogdon, who you know, you know, they got him a couple years ago. But besides that, I don't, I don't really like this team that much. Like, I don't yeah. really. I mean, you got Grant Williams, um, you got Robert Williams, and. You know, that's that's really it. There's nothing yeah. there's nothing else that puts you over. There's no there's no borderline all star for this team. And I feel like to be successful right now in the NBA, you have to have two stars and kind of a guy who's kind of borderline to be able to make it to the NBA finals. Now, the Heat are showing that that's completely not the case, but the Heat are an anomaly. So, yeah. you know, I don't think I, I don't think that someone's going to copy the Heat success again like this. I mean, it took, you know. 24 years for us to get an eight seed back into the NBA finals or potentially into the NBA finals. So it's not something that happens all the time where you can, you can play possum the entire season, but I don't know, man, if I'm, if I'm Boston. So let's just go ahead and say this. Their coach is gone. He's gone. Like there's no, he's not going to be brought back. They will make a move immediately with him. He will be the scapegoat for this entire thing, and then they'll visit the roster after that. That's the easy way that they're going to do it. So he's gone after the end of the season unless they somehow pull, you know, a four-game upset over the Heat, which I honestly don't see happening because I don't – it's – I can see – I might be able to be talked into the Lakers doing that, but I cannot be talked into the Celtics doing that with how hard the Heat plays every night. I just – I don't buy it. Um. But if you lock that much money in is and you and you haven't won an NBA title yet, like you haven't you're you are banking on those stars to get even better next year. And those numbers that you read from from Brown, Josh, are just appalling for right now. There's no reason one of your star players should be that bad right now, performing this terribly in a in a huge, you know, conference final situation. And mm-hmm. I don't know, but I, I think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be one or the other. I think – I well, I think the Celtics are going to end up keeping Jason Tatum, but I could definitely see them doing some sort of a sign-in trade with, with Brown to – they're going to have to shake it up. I just I yeah. just don't see them bringing them back again because when they made it to the NBA Finals last year, it felt like they may have gotten there a little bit early. This year, mm-hmm. you were kind of thinking they might actually get in there and kind of finish the job. They had stuff, and it doesn't look like they're going to do that. So you got to make an adjustment at this point. And I don't know, man. The top, the clock's going to be ticking on on the Celtics, and I can guarantee you right now, somebody will end up. You know, if if they don't offer the super max to Jalen Brown, he's still going to get a max extension someplace else. So, you know, and, and there's been rumblings throughout the year that he's, you know, didn't really necessarily sound like he really wants to be there or needs to be in Boston. So, you know, he's probably the odd man out if we're, if we're looking down the line here. I've never been sold on Jalen Brown. Like that's the one guy, like every time he has these great games, remember there was a part 
there was a time where like him and Tatum were running neck and neck and everybody was like, man, Jalen Brown might be better than Tatum. I, I just, I never had yeah. that feeling that Jalen Brown was going to be that guy. Now he's definitely a, like the best way for me to explain him is that I feel like he's a second tier Paul George. Like he's not, he's not quite the, the, the basketball player Paul George is, but he's kind of on that level of where he can do some of the same things. Um, Where Tatum, I feel like has, he looks like he has the potential to even be better than that. And it's just not consistent at this point. Um, Would would you would you put Brown in the same category? Maybe let's say a two years ago, Chris Middleton. Um, I think Middleton's a better that. shooter. I think oh, okay. Middleton's a better shooter, but Jalen okay. Brown can do other things. I think you're on the right track. I think you're on the okay. track. Like a guy that's made a that's made an All Star game. Not really a, a. I don't know if he's really a perennial All Star guy that's going to make it year in year out type guy um we also don't know if he's capable of carrying a team because like i said you got two guys that are on the same team they're almost the same player like right mm-hmm. a lot of their skill set is do the a lot same. of a lot of, they do a lot of the same things you're right and it usually makes it hard for teams to have those two kind of guys like at least for us like we got DeRozan and Levine but like they're not the same player you know what i'm saying like they both do things different um where I feel like Jalen Brown is right now. Jalen Brown is the wish version of Jason Tatum. That's the best way I could explain. (laughs) (laughs) So Ben, do you think that they need to make a change or would, if you were the Celtics, would you, would you maybe visit another Avenue or something this summer? It just seems Um, like a lot of money to lock up on two guys. Bro, I was going to say that's, like you said, that that would be a hundred million for two guys, and then trying to fill, fill your roster uh, with thirty four million dollars. I, 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 there's no way. I just don't think that. Like you said, Sean, you brought up a great point. They've got they've got that roster tooled the way you would expect a roster to be tooled with two stars. And don't forget, Malcolm Brogdon isn't is an, is an all star. I mean. That guy's been to an all-star game. So, like, you've, you've got three all-star players there. Uh, you've got Horford that's been to an all-star game. you got Marcus Smart has been a, a defense player of the year. Derek White. I mean, you got the Williams boys. I mean, you have a decent roster, and you haven't been able to turn the corner. So, logic tells you that you have to make some kind of change. Um, whether it be, I mean, I, like like you said, Sean, there's no way they get rid of Tatum. Tatum is their guy. Um, yeah. I think that it's going to be Jalen Brown for sure. Um, and I don't know if it'll be a signing trade or, or how it'll go down, but I think Jalen Brown will be the odd guy out there because truth be told, I think Jalen Brown wants to be a one. I think he wants to be the star. I think he wants to be the guy. Um and I think he wants to be able to do that somewhere where he can go somewhere where he can do that. So um, I I just don't think that I don't think that those two and, that, and it's not like they have beef with each other. I don't think that's the case, but um, I it, it hasn't been successful with them coexisting. So you have to do something different. You know, it's kind of like the definition of insanity, right? You know, doing yep. the same thing, expecting a different result. Like it, like you're doing the same thing. You're not getting results that you want. You're going to do something. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, is it is game four tomorrow night, or yeah, two days up tomorrow night? No. Okay, all yeah. right. So, so we'll see what happens with that. Right now, we got the Lakers uh, playing the Nuggets. Um, that is going on. They are down 3-0 in a in a big hole. Um, I'll be honest with you. I this was another one where I was kind of shocked about. Um, and Jamal Murray has just been like he just like morphed into Steph Curry all of a sudden and he's just been hitting shot after shot and he's back he's fully back and we called him frauds for too long they were listening and <laughs> the nuggets are the nuggets are are poised to make the first nba finals now they've made an nba finals once yeah. one time they made an nba finals so this will be their first nba finals and uh i'm uh this is one of those i mean if we get this series guys if we get a heat nugget series this is not this is not uh huge television ratings basketball it's not it's not for the casuals but for basketball fans if this happens this is going to be a lot of fun there's a lot of beef there yeah um yeah. before we get started to talk about this the game's on right now the lakers are up six with like 10 minutes left in the second quarter LeBron had 21 points in the first quarter, um, seven of nine from the floor, four of four from three point range. Mm. And nobody sweeps LeBron. <laughs> he he's having it looks like he's having a classic LeBron game right now. Um, Lakers are up eight. My bad. And like I said, the Lakers came out playing like they want to win this game. So I know it's still early, but uh, Denver's looks like they're struggling from the floor. And the Lakers look like they want to win. So um, we might be seeing them go back to Denver for a game five. Yeah, I could I could see it. I see Tristan Thompson's on the floor tonight. Like that's that's really happening right now. (laughs) (laughs) He just got a dunk. All right. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll have to visit that one later. But uh, yeah, Lakers Nuggets also huge. Uh, It's just a a huge upset right now going down 3-0. So we'll see what happens with them. Um, ben, what has impressed you the most about Denver? Um, I, I had to give my boy Josh credit. So when the MVP voting came out, and we were all like, "Yeah, M, you know, Embiid's the Embiid. MVP." Yeah, we um, all, you know, we all were like, "Yeah, that's cool. Like he he deserves it." And Josh is like, "Nah, man." <laughs> Y'all, y'all robbed Jokic. I'm like, ah, I don't know, blah, blah, you know. Like, I know we kind of went back and forth with it because they both had tremendous seasons. Like, watching this series and watching him play, like, there's no doubt in my mind he's the best basketball player on the planet. Like, he is so good. And it's, and it's not even just making shots. It's – his, his the mental aspect of his game is so underrated. The way he sees things, the way he sets things up, the way he gets to the basket, the way he makes shots. I mean, like the all the things and the little nuances that we, you know, we don't really get to see him play night in and night out because of course they're on the West Coast. You know, they play usually play mountain time, it's usually late. But watching him in this series navigate. And and Anthony Davis isn't a bad defensive player. 
You know, no. they thought that they thought that you know putting you know really Hachimura on him was going to make a difference. But I mean, I thought that all that did was make him mad. So I mean, it you know, <laughs> I, you know, I, I you know watching him play like there's no doubt in my mind that guy is the best player on the planet. Like he can, he makes them so much better, and it only gets better because. Now Jamal Murray is 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 trying to put on a show and prove to everybody that he's not he's not as bad you know he's trying to come off that ACL and show that he is a good player, um, you know we can't underestimate the what uh, Aaron Gordon has done for that team as well, um, big rebounds, big shots, um, so I, I, you know Josh keeps saying that they had the best roster and the best starting five. Um, in the NBA outside of a golden state. And I tend to, I, I think he's right. I mean, I think this team is, I, I did not give them near enough credit going into this series. I definitely thought that the Lakers were playing at a high level. Um, I thought that D'Angelo Russell would come in and play a little, a lot better. He's been boo boo. Um, you know, <laughs> like LeBron's been LeBron. AD's been, uh, you know, AD's been okay. But like it's it's you know when you're when you're asking for things from D'Angelo Russell that he can't provide like it's like he has played horrible and I think he was the one that kind of got them through that series uh, before is because you know he oh, was shooting yeah. the ball well and he was distributing he was doing all these different things and you know now he's he's the lost man I don't you know we don't know where he went so. Um, Denver is very, they, they've impressed me a lot with the way they play. And it's, it's hard to say that a two time MVP is impressing me, but Nikola Jokic is, is, he's the truth. Could, could you guys see a, a world where, you know, the Nuggets did make the finals and, and maybe not Jokic wins the, the MVP for the finals. Maybe Jamal Murray does. Um, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can okay. see that. I actually think, um, if, I, based off of how the games have went to this point, like if they make it to the finals, that Jamal Burry's is going to win the Magic Johnson Award. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's that's, that's kind of that that's just the way he's been playing has been. I mean, it it's just it's very similar, to like with the Heat, where you know. Jimmy Butler's the the main guy and and setting the the tone for everything. Whereas Jokic is doing the same thing, but Jamal Murray is he's a bad man. Like he's so so good, um, and mm-hmm. he's just uh, and when he's locked in and he's 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 playing well and he's he's been gone for so long and he probably felt forgotten. Um, and I don't know, man. It's uh it's gonna be very interesting. Uh, to see what happens in the next uh, next couple of days to see if uh, we get a game five or or you know we can just get to the NBA finals and and the NBA finals are gonna be fun regardless. It's gonna be really, yeah. really fun this year. I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. So man I all right well I feel like go ahead Josh. I, real quick I was gonna say I feel like you know Ben you were talking about Jokic earlier. Like if you've never seen this dude with his brothers like his brothers look like Serbian hitmen them dudes look like they were like back in the backwoods fighting bears and like wolves and coyotes and stuff and like you ever watch him he's got all these scratches on his arms and you know he gets beat up in games and it's like he doesn't cry he doesn't complain like he just goes and plays basketball and everybody looks at him he's like oh he's this slow big slow white dude that 
that don't got no ball skills. And then like you see some of the passes that this guy makes and the shots that he makes. And you're like, oh, man, like he can actually handle the rock and get to the basket at, you know, mm-hmm. 6'10", you know, running a 5'6'40". And like these guys don't know what to do with him. And it's it's crazy to me that like when you start looking at like the guys who they consider, you know, the best players in the league, you know, Giannis, Luka, Jokic, like all these guys are European, you know. Yeah. Their, yeah. their skill set is different. You know, they're not yeah. they don't rely on they don't all rely on like their speed and their strength. Like they have this different pace about them and this different basketball IQ and this skill set that makes them different than the rest of the league. Well, and it's it's so interesting to see a lot of the body types right now in the NBA. You're not seeing the guy. I mean, Giannis is obviously, you know, just a specimen, but you look at someone like Doncic or you look at somebody like, you know, like Jokic who, you know, they're not super cut dudes, but their mm-hmm. IQ and their skill set is so much beyond everything else that they don't have to rely on strength or or speed to be able to 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 do what they do. And that's what make that's what's making the league fun right now. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like if you just have a bunch of guys running down the floor and and doing the same thing, like these guys are just making the league better. And it's I mean it's getting to be I mean it's it is a true international sport now where most of the best players are not from America anymore. You know, I mean, and it's and it it's crazy to say that. And this year, I mean, we're looking at the draft this year, and I think what is it, three three of the guys, three out of the top five or four out of the top mm-hmm. five prospects didn't play in college this year. So mm-hmm. it's it's wild the where we're going with it, but I think it's very very exciting. I think it's very exciting. Um, moving on to uh, the rest of the sad league, who's not still in the playoffs. Uh, we're going to go back to the Phoenix Suns. So Phoenix ended up losing out to Denver. Uh, was it four to two? Um, we talked a lot about this man and how he has contributed basically nothing to this team when he should be probably contributing a lot. DeAndre Ayton. So um, it is widely assumed, according to Sports Illustrated, that DeAndre Ayton is going to be moved to the Dallas Mavericks. There's a proposed trade that would send Tim Hardaway Jr., JaVale McGee, Josh Green, and the number 10 back um, to give them some depth. That's a Um, lot, man. That's a lot. That's a lot. I'd do that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the just just the ten pick. I you know you don't even. It's a gamble this year, so who knows? Who knows what you're going to get at that point? But Aiton's not the guy. Uh, if you, it, it's it's a weird situation where you have a guy who is very talented. We saw it in college. He was just a really talented player. He's a walking double double, but he did not want to be there last year. He signed with the Pacers. They matched the deal. He looked you know butt hurt about it the entire year. He never mm-hmm. looked connected to the rest of his team. Um, if you're, if you're the Phoenix Suns, Ben, are you making that move? Yes. No, Absolutely. without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, without question. Okay, without question. Okay. You, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. gives you depth. Uh, the ten pick is going to be somebody that's going to help your team. You get you move a guy that doesn't want to be there, um, and. And you're able to uh, make that roster a little bit deeper. 
So yeah, absolutely. Because even still, you can take you, you can take whatever Phoenix picks has in the tenth pick and trade it in for something else, or move a guy to get somebody else. Like like it gives you a lot of more flexibility. Um, and on top of that, you move a guy that doesn't want to be there. I mean, why why have him there if he doesn't want to be there? So well, no, the, yeah, absolutely. And the and the main thing that's tipping off this rumor right now is that Doncic and Aiton share an agent, and uh, apparently they have a pretty good relationship. So um, I don't know, man. I I think that's I, the Phoenix Suns have to move on from him, um, you yeah. know. And if they're able to they're able to get a draft pick and some decent role players to to put on this team and. You get a full year under your belt with, you know, KD and and Devin Booker. Who knows what they're going to look like next year? But he is – he's definitely – he's one of those guys that, you know, still has value, I think, out on the market because he's such a question mark because he is good and people know he's good and they think he might just be, like, in the wrong situation. So, um I don't know. I'm I'm very intrigued to see what happens in Phoenix this summer. I think there's going to be – I think this draft – in the next couple of weeks, I think the draft and I think as soon as they open up, you know, trades, I think this is going to be kind of a wild summer because there's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of teams just making moves. I think it's going to be a little bit more active than it has been in the last couple of years. Yeah. So, so um, moving on. So today, Carmelo Anthony finally announced his retirement. The real um, Melo. One of the one of the greatest scores in NBA history. Um, now he did not play at all this season. Is that correct? He he didn't get any ten days or anything. Did nah, he? Mm-mm. I didn't think I didn't think he did. Nope. Um, career accolades. If we're looking, ten time All Star, two time All NBA second team, four time All NBA third team, NBA scoring champion two thousand thirteen, All Rookie team two thousand four. NBA 75th anniversary team, NCAA champion in 2003, NCAA Final Four most outstanding player in 2003, uh, number retired by Syracuse, and I believe he has. Does he have four gold medals? Yes. No three. No, yes. Is I'm no, sorry. Three and a three and a bronze. And a bronze. There you go. Three and a bronze. So he is he is the most decorated college or the most decorated American Olympic basketball player of all time. Um, I've always been kind of whatever with Mello. Um, He's one of those guys to me who kind of, he was impactful in a lot of ways, but he also kind of reminded me of Tracy McGrady a little bit where he got a lot of points and didn't, didn't do anything with it. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. overall feels Josh with with Carmelo Anthony career wise calling it quits. Man, there was a couple years where I was kind of hoping he was going to get over the hump and win himself a championship. Uh, they had some really good teams in Denver. Uh, yeah, I think one year in the Western Conference Finals they ran up against the Lakers, uh, and then he went to the Knicks and. You know, it was kind of a homecoming for him. He had some fascinating games in the garden uh, where, you know, he was kind of bringing basketball back to life to New York City. And, you know, unfortunately for him, he he got labeled a lot as being a selfish ball player. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes it kind of seemed like that. 
um, you know, the way that he played. I was always a huge Mellow fan when he came out of college. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll be the one person to tell you that I felt like he kind of – he deserved Rookie of the Year over LeBron uh, that Ooh. year that he didn't win. Um, well, yeah, he, you know, he got his team to the playoffs that year. Yeah, and everybody wants to say, well, he was around a better team. And I was like, well, both teams were pretty sucky the year before. Um, yeah. You know, so the, I – I'm not saying that changed the trajectory of his career, but I think the fact that he came out in the same draft as LeBron and he had all the hype around him. Sometimes, man, that, that stuff kind of hangs over your head a little bit. I mean, you could like D Wade was able to break out of it a little bit. You know, he won himself a championship by himself and then he won one with Bron. I don't think Mello ever broke out of that shadow of being drafted with with LeBron. And I think that's kind of the one thing that, most people are going to look at and be like, Hey, he came out the same year as LeBron. He spent the year in college. You know, he never quite ascended to the level that LeBron did. And, you know, this guy for his whole entire first, what, 15 years of his, of the, of his career, he averaged over 20 points a game every single year. Like you said, Sean, he was a scorer, like led the league in scoring a couple times. Um, but I think in the end, I'll be all, he's going to be one of those guys that they're going to say, man, he was a great player, not a really great team player. Didn't win a championship. Josh, I have to agree with you on that. Um, I, I, I think he, that label of him being selfish and him not wanting to come off the bench. I think it, it doesn't hurt his legacy, but I think that's what people think most about Carmelo. Um, you know, the fact that, you know, he could score the basketball, was a phenomenal basketball player, could shoot it, could rebound, um, you know, all the different things that he could do. Um, and it, and I think that that little time where he got, you know, during the pandemic where, you know, teams wouldn't pick him up and he was working out and he, you know, had the hood on, hoodie mellow and all those <laughs> things where, you know what I mean? Like all those things where he was, where he had that little layoff from the league, um, I you know I, I think that that was the idea of him, is that he wasn't a team guy, that he wouldn't do what he was asked to do, he wouldn't be a guy that would you know sacrifice minutes, um, and I and I I hope that doesn't hurt his legacy because he was a phenomenal basketball player, phenomenal basketball player. But I do agree with you, Josh, that that I think that stuff may have tarnished it a little bit, which I don't hope I hope it doesn't. And then I also um I hope that it doesn't tarnish it um with him you know being in that same class with LeBron. That I mean, that's that's a difficult ask when you're in the you know, I mean when you're in that class. Uh Dwayne Wade was, you know, kind of Got, didn't get that same light. Uh, Bosch didn't get that same light. Uh, but Mello was always kind of put against um, LeBron. But I think it's to Mello's credit because he was seen as one of the greats, uh, but just never reached those heights. So it's not a discredit to Mello that he was seen on the level of LeBron. Um, but but uh, I think it, it it's a, a testament to the player that he was. Yeah, and like I said, man um... – it's funny you mentioned all those guys. I still say it to this day. The top five picks in that draft that year, 
you know, four of them were LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's ever been a draft where the four of the top five guys got drafted in the right spot. All are going to be Hall of Famers. Melo's going to mm-hmm. be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely. Um, but that that those top five, those four of the top five picks in that draft. I mean, you look at those guys' stats across the board, and you're like, man, like. Crazy, 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 crazy. And like you said, I don't think anybody thought uh, Wade and Bosch were going to ascend the way that they did. And mm-hmm. Mello, you know, shockingly didn't go number two, which we all thought he was going to go number two at the time. Um, mm-hmm. Ended up going number three. And I think Detroit didn't pick him for those same reasons, though, Ben. I think there was yeah. a lot of a lot of hype around him saying, like, we don't really trust him. He seems like a selfish player you know, blah, 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 you know, watched him in college. I'm like, even though he won a national championship, they were just not sold on him. And clearly they missed out. But uh, <laughs> that, was, that, that, that is that is one of the biggest draft blunders of all time. I mean, and you think about, you know, the Pistons had a had a great run during that era. And yeah. How much how much longer they could have have kept that going with a player like Carmelo Anthony and I feel like they they drafted for position that year yeah um and they really swung for the fences but I you know looking at college from the year before there is no way there is no way I'm I'm taking a uh international prospect over Carmelo Anthony like that yeah like even he then was- I was like this is ridiculous. He was clearly, as a freshman, the best player in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it wasn't it, – no question about it. So um, – w- but one of the biggest blunders ever. Like, I, I, off, I, I'm I, sure Detroit fans think about that all the time. Like, how much longer they could have – they could have won two or three titles in a row during that era because it was, it was kind of a weird era in basketball and you had the Lakers and, you know, so mm-hmm. – would have, could have, should have with them, but all right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this evening's episode of the 48 minutes podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Keep watching uh, the NBA and we'll be back uh, later next week. Have a great evening. Adios.